You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat's UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come on to today's episode, if you're listening to the f- for the first time, thank you for joining us. Where have you been? No, we've been doing this for about two years, um, but you can find us on your favourite podcast app. That's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the usuals. And if you enjoy the show, which I'm sure you do, please do us a big favour and hit a five-star rating. It will help us out a lot. Also, be sure to bookmark our bookmark our website www.miamiheatsuk.com it is about to overgo quite a large revamp we've got a new contributor over here uh, ben moore who's going to be taking care of that from now onwards he's currently in the uh, on the way forward with overhauling it always going to be looking after the content so that is the place to go bookmark it because it's going to have blog uh, articles um, all of our live streams are going to go on there. The podcast episode is going to be on there. Fun and games are going to go on there. It's going to it's going to be good stuff. So please bookmark MiamiHeatUK.com. On to today's episode. And about a month ago, we did this. It was a, uh, a round table Miami Heat discussion. It was a lot of fun for us. We all got to uh, ask one question each and then the other guys would all answer. It was loads of fun. And it was very well received by you guys, the listeners. So we thought, let's do it again. All-star break, bit of content out there. Let's introduce the same cast as last time. I've got Oli Rahimi, Glenn Smith, and Bilal Monar with me. Oli Rahimi, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm very well, mate. Thank you. Looked uh, looking forward to it. It was good fun last time, so hopefully this will be the same. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, Glenn Smith, you're looking good. How are you, sir? Appreciate appreciate doing well, my friend. Have you enjoyed your weekend? Yes, I've had a good weekend. I'm getting used to this sort of few days of recharging the batteries. It's good, although it doesn't take too long for me to really miss my Mahit basketball again, which is sort of at the stage I'm at. So, uh, yeah, good to have you along. And Bilal Monar, how are you, my man? I'm good, I'm good. I'm staying with Oli. I enjoyed it last time. I'm looking forward to it again. Yeah, yeah come on, be... Bilal. Where's the snacks this time, man? <laughs> Sorry? Where's no the snacks, snacks Bilal? <laughs> absolutely yes um if you're listening or watching on youtube um please get involved you can add in the comments uh we will feature the comments obviously this will be going on the podcast catalog if you're watching on twitter on the live feed um hello thank you for watching if you want to get involved in the comments hop over to miami heat uk tv and we will feature it right guys so this is how it will go work again um actually before we get onto it before we get onto it let's let's take care of a bit of breaking news about an hour or so ago and that's that former heat legend goran dragic has agreed to join the brooklyn nets um my take on this which i think is pretty much what the majority of heat twitter are feeling is that okay he's joined a rival but if it was going to be anybody Probably better Brooklyn than than the Bucks, which is the other team that I think was quite in heavy negotiations. I'm in that sort of pool. Um, I think the, the the Bucks could have done with him. I think they're quite light on guard backup. Um, so I think he would have had an important role. I think he would have moulded nicely into Milwaukee. So he goes over to Brooklyn. It helps their cause as well. Uh, very quickly around the table, uh, Bilal, I'll start with you. What do you think? Um, even if he's going to the to the Nets, I think it's a dangerous move. Personally, I would have wanted him out of the whole conference. I wanted I wanted him to go to somewhere like Dallas, who's not really 
I would say, a main contender. Um, because we don't know what condition Dragic is going to come back physically or mentally. He's had about six months, basically, of not playing the basketball. So if he gets, so if the Nets get a good Goran Dragic, then it, it could be a problem. But yeah, like you said, I, it's I, better than the Bucks. I, I agree with you. I think if he if he comes back and he he shows even even half the form that he was in the last time we saw him in real true heat form, which is of course that bubble run, um, then they got a great player there. And I think um, Glenn, I think. Uh, Bilal sort of nailed it a little bit there. With if anybody, if we was going to choose a team for Goran to be on, it would probably have been the Dallas Mavericks, wouldn't it? I think we would have all liked to have seen a him be out of the Eastern Conference, but b to be re, uh, sort of reunited with his fellow countrymen, uh, with Luka Doncic. Um, would you have would you have been happier to have seen that happen? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's always nice to see that that link up would have been brilliant to see with one of them coming to the end of their careers and one of them very much just still starting his in reality because I think we all forget how young he is but Bilal touched on it there he's played more pickup games in Miami YMCA's in the last six months than he has NBA games so he's he's always going to be do or die to the end of the day it's sad it's the Nets but in reality do I think it's going to make that much difference I hope not so we'll see I wish him the best of luck nonetheless I love the guy yeah, of course. Uh, no ill feeling at all towards wherever he chose. It gives him a great shout, a great chance there to go and win a ring. Uh, Miami will, of course, have something to do with that. Ollie, do you think there was any real chance? There was a lot of hope trafficking that maybe the Heat could could go and offer him that maybe 14th or 15th man on the roster just to bring him back, maybe to play a few minutes and have some form of contribution. By all accounts, by the people that are in the know, there was zero interest really um, from the Miami uh, Heat prospect. But do you think that if it would have gone much further that we would have got in the discussion there? I don't know. Um, I, I trust the people making the decisions. Um, I think any any return for him, it would have been brilliant from a sentimental point of view, but I think that would have been it, really. Um, from a basketball perspective, yeah, I can't see him of, of playing that many minutes, especially if Oladipo is going to be coming back soon. Um, as we know, rosters tend to, tend to shrink in the playoffs, so... Yeah, I think a shortened roster, he probably wouldn't have seen a lot of minutes and it would have just been for that sentimental factor. So, yeah, good luck to him, Brooklyn. If, you know, if Miami aren't the ones to make it to the finals, then I hope he wins a ring because he deserves it. He's had a great career and he should deserve it. So, yeah, best of luck to him. But uh, if we face them, then not in those seven games. Yeah, well, hit in five, absolutely. Um, yeah, the uh, I think that, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? I think... Um... I don't think we, we covered it on one of the last streams that the heat just that Goran Dragic on the heat we, is just something we don't need right now. We're very, very um, protected in the guard roles. Uh, we've got Oladipo to come back to, but from just a uh, uh, sentimental and a veteran presence and leadership point of view, I would have taken it all day long. I think we all would have done. But there he goes, off to Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, Heat and Fife. Um, anyway, on we go with today's episode, roundtable question. So just a quick recap what we're doing here. Each of us will ask a question to the other three, which we will go around in a circle and, uh, and answer them all individually. And I shall start, guys. So are you ready? Let's do this. Okay, so my question, considering as we was just finishing All-Star break, is if you had to pick one of the current all-star crop of players that we've just seen, who would you pick on that crop to join the Miami Heat in terms of a best fit? Now, ignore everything. Ignore who the best player is in the world, who, who you think that, um, you know, ignore captain implications, ignore who would have to go the other way. I'm not talking about any of that. The current Heat team, as they are, you can pluck one player out of that uh, all-star crop to join the Heat right now in terms of a fit, 
who do you think will be best? We'll go around in, in my screen here in clockwise fashion, which means, Oli Rahima, you're up first. Answer that question. Okay. Um, so before I give my my answer on that, on which also I take I want to mention that I think the current Heat starting five is 80% perfect. So in my opinion, there are four roles out of the five in the Miami Heat starting five that are a 100% perfect fit. And I think the only non-perfect fit is at the shooting guard spot, which is obviously at the moment occupied by Duncan Robinson. I'm not saying that he's not a great fit because he is, and he, he really complements this team well. But I think he's maybe not a perfect fit to go alongside the stars like a PJ Tucker is, for example, who is the perfect fit in that role. Um, so given that, I think there is one obvious name to go into that shooting guard spot, and it's probably not going to come as much of a surprise. I know the Heat really like him anyway. He's the Miami Heat darling. He's a mini D-Wade. So I'm going to have to say Donovan Mitchell. Um, I just, I love him. I, his game is so wonderfully well-rounded and and it's it's complete, you know, despite being only 25 years old. His his age and his ability lines up perfectly with this win-now mentality that Miami has. But also, also it lines up with Bam. And they are both 25 they could both be a cornerstone for the franchise for many, many years to come with Spo and Pat Riley running the show. Um, but like I said, as well as as well as the future, he's also in win-now mode because you've got the likes of Lowry and Butler and Tucker who aren't getting any younger and they are in win-now. So that friendship with Bam as well, I'd love to see that prosper even more. Um, he's not hidden the fact that he's you know a big D. Wade fan um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Wade's movement into ownership in Utah is part of a bigger play to get someone like Donovan Mitchell to Miami um, because we all know that I think D. Wade's going to end up with some sort of ownership role in the heat, hopefully. Um, and he's had, you know, Donovan Mitchell's had Wade in his ear for a year, two years now, re replaying, relying to him how good Miami is, heat culture, all of that. So, you know, there's reports as well that he might want to look out in the summer. Um, and it was Miami and New York that he had cited as his, his top picks. I think, to be honest, I think New York's name has been thrown in that, so it's not that obvious. <laughs> um, basically, to to shelve any any talk of tampering, basically, um, which might be tricky um, in terms of contract wise. But I think Duncan's contract, a potential sign and trade for Oladipo, depending on his uh, bird rights. And now we've got those two free first round draft picks in twenty two and twenty three. You know, if we did some sort of deal with Utah that we could pick their their selection this year and then give them the 23 pick um that might work so yeah i think i think wade would try and engineer the move i think we'd all we all love to see donovan mitchell in south beach so yeah that would be my take donovan mitchell pushing the agenda you love to see it yes unbelievable yeah that would be a, that would be a dream i think that you've nailed that absolutely nailed that very quickly ollie without analysis you could do maybe a one sentence if you like but who would be two and three on your list there Two, Devin Booker. Three, Luca. Oh, love it. Okay, yeah, not bad. I mean, you know, any of those three, any of those three, they do, wouldn't they? They do. Uh, great answer, mate. I love the, um, I love the, uh, the analysis, the thought process behind it. A lot of incredible names. I mean, look, we're talking about the best basketball players in the world. But Donovan Mitchell is the name that Oli Rahimi would put on the Heat in terms of the best fit right now. Glenn Smith, over to you. Same question. 
At the risk of not adding to a, a general monopoly here, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a different man to who I'd originally selected, which would have been Donovan Mitchell. Uh, there's a strong case in me in who was my second position for Lamelo Ball of the Hornets. I think, as uh, Ollie was alluding to, you've got a lot of players in the Heat who win now mode, perfect. But in terms of setting a, a, a franchise alight in the future. Kyle Lowry's not that guy. He's not He's not getting any younger in the slightest. I think he's actually the oldest of, of all the three that you mentioned there in PJ, uh, Jimmy and himself. And I think that the combination of LaMelo Ball and Bam would be something I'd be incredibly interested to see. I think um, he adds a huge three-point threat, which again, maybe allows you to to move Tyler back up to the to the shooting guard spot in a starting role and not have to put as much pressure on Duncan. Uh, his athleticism is outrageous i remember i was lucky enough to see him when he was playing for bc vitautus and he played against london um lucky enough to catch wow. that game and even at his age there of 15 or 16 whatever it was it was outrageous to see uh, his court vision's fantastic so you're going to get that passing that you get from kyle and everything at the moment and i think he, he fits very well he fits very well yeah he might shoot the ball a little bit too much and there's the whole baggage that comes with his dad and the rest of the family and and everything as such but I see him having a future that is very much up there with the likes of other players that we've mentioned as future greats of Luka Doncic. Uh, Trey's definitely got got to be up there. He has the ability to push towards the like of a Steph Curry with more athleticism and a bit less three-point shooting ability. So that would be my pick, considering, as I say, I don't want to add too much onto the the bandwagon there. I think that um, there's players in this league that are, uh, genuinely get your ass off your seat players. Uh, uh, incredibly, you know, raw, young, fearless, exciting. Um, Lamelo Ball is 100% all of those. I think maybe that there'll be a case that apart from perhaps Jar Morant, there's no other player that gets you as excited and, and uh, to, to watch because there's, there's better players than him in the league. Of course, he's young. He's, you know, he's got all of his career in front of him. But already we're seeing... You know, the confidence, the arrogance, the swagger, they'd be able to just try whatever you want, knowing that the likelihood is is that it's going to come off. Um, and they're really, really exciting players. They're everybody's favourite players to watch. Um, so that's a really good shout. Um, again, quickly, uh, two and three from you. Uh, Donovan and Doncic. Nice. Okay, like it. Um, Bilal, good choices so far. What you got? I'm going in a completely different direction to okay. what Ollie and Glenn's gone through. I'm going with Kevin Durant. Oh, okay. So the best so, player in the world, probably. So, exactly, best player in the world, and you put him in with this Heat team. You move Jimmy down to the two, put KD at the three, with PJ and Bam up front. I don't, people are gonna start building dynasties to fight our team. They're gonna build. They're gonna like build super teams to try and face this team because KD can do literally everything which our players currently have. If he fits in as a scorer, as a closer, I don't see anyone coming close to what to beating us or competing even against us. We'll blow every team off the floor. We'll be like the Golden State Warriors between 2016 onwards. Honestly, yeah, it's it's very difficult to um to argue the fact that you put on a player that can literally do everything. You know, he can win the game on his own. He can get a bucket. He can defend. He's an underrated defender. He's a good defender. Um, you know, size, it can just shoot over anybody without even jumping. Um, yeah, it's very, very difficult to look past 
Kevin Durant. Um, so yeah, it's diff- it's, it's difficult to argue yeah. against that choice. Not only we're gonna blow teams off, who is gonna score against that lineup? Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> okay. Um, your second and third choice. So my second and third choice is second. It will be Devin Booker, and third choice. I'm I'm gonna go with Jason Tatum. Like it. Like it. Good choosing. Good choosing. Okay, well, this is good. You know, three different choices, all right. And round to me to finish off. Um, again, I'm going with a different player. Um, I'm going with, I think it's almost criminal that if all four of us went by it and didn't choose Giannis and Stacumbo, it would be a little bit shocking. So I am going to pick Giannis. Um, not because I particularly like his style. I think that... Um, He's almost one of those players that I don't actually enjoy to watch so much. But when you, what you can't do is ignore probably the most unstoppable player in the league because how do you stop? You, you can't stop him. How do you stop him? If you put him at the four, it's harsh on PJ. But um, you know, with him getting older, again, this bit like Ollie, what Ollie was saying, this lines up with the Bam timeline. Um, you know, Carl uh, Lowry not getting any younger either. I think that we've. Jimmy in his prime right now, Bam at the same sort of age as Giannis. Um, him at the four, powering through, uh, as I said, I don't see... Oh, I mean, how, again, sim- similar sort of thing. We're, we're repeating ourselves a little bit, but you don't stop that team. They're, they're covered in every area in terms of you now having a, a double MVP, reigning defensive player of the year, etc. to that um, to that roster. Um, wow. I mean, how, I, I don't think there's anything that needs to be said more than adding... Uh, the world champion in Giannis Antetokounmpo to that team. In my terms of my two and three, um, I was actually very close to picking Joel Embiid. And that would actually allow then uh, Bam maybe to switch to the four, which a lot of people are, are, are anchoring for. To then put um, Joel next to him at the five as a stretch five who can rebound, who can do everything. Let's be honest, he's playing MVP basketball. He is the MVP this year, in my opinion. Um, that, I think that would have been a really good shout as well. I very nearly picked Giannis with Joel and, of course, third, uh, just to push the agenda a little bit more. It would have been Donovan Mitchell, of course. But there we go. Good quick, good uh, answers to a good question there. Um, any one of those would do. Any one of those. Get, get on the case, Pat. Get on the case. Uh, right, guys, um, over to you, Ollie. Ask your question, please. Yeah, so uh, mine's a little bit different, a little bit more simple, maybe. Um, so the Heat at the moment are 38 and 21 with 23 regular season games left. How many wins, it's a multiple choice answer, how many wins do you see Miami ending this regular season with? Uh, and then kind of a follow-up, uh, where is the Heat likely to seed? So are they going to end up with 57 or more wins? Is it going to be sort of between 52 and 56? Between 48 and 52 or 47 and below? Okay. Um, going around in the circle again. Glenn, you're up first. Yeah, so I've gone with the not conservative, but I'm not going to put us right over at 57 plus. Um, I've gone with the, I'll go with the lower end uh, of the 52 to 56 bracket. I think that mainly because when it comes to the back end of the season, I mean, it's a little bit different in the East just this year with how every, how tight everything is, but normally you get the odd couple of games where we're resting people or other teams are resting people. Uh, so that could skew it off a little bit, but in general, I think we're good to go for, two wins out of every three games to end the season. I think that's a strong, strong way to finish it off. I don't think you can complain if you've got Depot taking some minutes in there uh, and taking his time to get back and albeit, yeah, if you put him in, in front of uh, some backups like Gabe for a while and it costs you a game every once now and then because he's not sharp, it is what it is. You'd rather have him get those minutes under his belt and push forward. Um, in terms of a seeding thing, I think anything falling short of the the four mark is is depressing, quite frankly, at this point. 
but I can strongly see us between the one three three. I think that again, anywhere in there, keeping home court advantage going forward. I'm not worried necessarily about dodging any particular teams because if you're the team that's going to win it all, you've got to beat the best to, to to win it anyway. There's it's all well and good trying to pick. Oh, if we go for second then we play seventh and then you get an easier round in the next one either way you're going to play some fantastic teams some fantastic players and it comes down to the fact that we need to be ready for anyone and uh yeah anywhere between one through three and uh i go 50 call it 54 games on the win column okay yep good shout 54 is um seems fair um and yeah anywhere between one through four um yeah i agree with you i think if it wasn't a home court seat at this stage of the season now especially with what's coming up yeah, I think that might be a little bit of a disappointment. But uh, Bilal, what do you think? Um, yeah, I agree. In some part with Glenn, I think we're going to go between the 52 to 56 part. Um, I would say 55 wins. Um, I saw that we have one of the easiest schedules and we have a lot of home games, which we are really strong on. And also Miami, historically, we always push hard after the All-Star break. So... I feel like we're going to get 55 wins and I'm backing us for the first seed. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Yes, um, I'm in sort of aligned with you. I think 55 is realistic. I think 57 plus now would mean we'd probably only be allowed to drop four games if my maths is right, um, which I think is a push. Um, just to let you know, with 23 games left, 15 are at home, eight away. Um, five back-to-backs, though, still to come. Which is um, which is tough going. I know we're only twenty three games left, but five back to backs. I think if you can get through that at fifty five wins at this stage, I think that that's pretty good going. Um, the next six are probably going to be maybe a little bit influential with this because after going to MSG to play the Knicks and then the Spurs, which you probably expect to take both of those, uh, it then goes Bulls, Bucks, Nets, Sixers, and we don't know what the uh, sort of schedules in terms of player availability will be like. The Nets could be angling for some players to be back in the rotation by then. James Harden should be in the Sixers rotation by the time we meet. Um, the Bulls should be a little bit back at full, uh, not quite, quite at full health, but be looking to add players back as well. And they are pushing us for the one seed. So that will be an extremely exciting game. So I think, yeah, 55 is achievable. I think anything more than that, you've got to say absolutely hats off to everyone uh, for, for getting there. Um, but I firmly believe that this C, this team now will be going guns out for the one seed. I think that they won't be... Lo- I agree with what Glenn said, that, yeah, yeah, you don't really want to be looking at, you know, wherever you finish top four. I will try and reach this, this seed in to match up with these guys. That won't come into their um, mindset, but I think that with the Heat being so dominant at home, to get that one seed and then guarantee the home seed throughout the playoffs, I think will be really on their mind right now. And it could go wrong. That could age really badly, considering as we're literally only two and a half games away from the fourth seed. Uh, that's how tight the East is. But I think that with that scheduling coming up, with so many home games left, um, the Heat will be going all out to get that one seed. So I'm saying 55 wins and the one seed. Ollie, your question, what's your answer? Yeah, I, I think what you've said, Dan, is, is pretty much nailed on. Um, I think with how volatile and interchangeable the East has been this year, I think anywhere sort of 52, maybe 53 wins and up would probably get you the one seed um, just because so many t- teams are dropping dropping games that they should be winning. Um, I know the Sixers are obviously going to be going to be good now um, and it might might take them a couple of weeks maybe to get, get fully healthy, get adjusted and get acclimatised to each other. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm in that 52 to 56 win bracket as well. I think if we can float 
a couple of games above 500 for the rest of the season as the bare minimum. I'm expecting us to do more, but I think as the bare minimum, um, if we can get around that area, then then we should be we should be comfortable for the one seed. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can just just ride it out. Like like Bilal said, we tend to be better after the All Star break. So if we can come out strong, we've got a lot of games at home, really assert that sort of dominance that we've had at home so far this season. Um, then yeah, hopefully we'll be we will be in the one seed. Yeah, and um, I think the most important thing here across the board, not just from Miami's point of view, but you want to see everybody now getting back to full health um, for a for a fully healthy playoff run because that's what we want to see. We want to see the best players playing the best players um, all at full health uh, for a really exciting postseason. So we'll see what happens. Uh, good question. Uh, we're all aligned. We all think that uh, the Heat are going to be somewhere in between that 52 and 56 win uh, column. Uh, Glenn, what was your question, mate? I went with uh, another all-star related question. Considering we've probably seen one of the worst dunk contests in recent history, it might as well have been a layup content uh, contest at parts. (laughs) And uh, considering both on the three-point percentage side of things and the three-point scoring numbers, you had three out of those five guys on each side of it. Uh, Missed the, just weren't invited, didn't want to go to the three-point contest. How could you improve all-star Saturday to make it great again? Okay, good question. Um, Bilal, what do you think? Over to you first. First of all, I would agree that was one of the worst dunk contests <laughs> as I've ever seen. Um, but I, I would say make new games. For example, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying a one-on-one tournament. And I think that would be amazing to see. Um, that would be really entertaining. But obviously, I can understand a lot of players might not want that to be embarrassed or maybe to, to pick up an injury because it is more of a tense kind of game. But I would say a one-on-one tournament would be good. Um, and yeah, the three-point contest, I would keep it. And I would, if it doesn't change, I would make the three-point contest the main event because the dunk contest definitely is not a main event at the moment. Yeah, the thing is, um, sort of following on from that, um, and again, I agree, uh, it was a terrible dunk contest. It was a, it was a bad all-star weekend, really. I, I, I've never been a big all-star fan. I don't watch the actual game. I don't think I've ever watched a game. I watch the highlights. Um, but I've always been quite interested in the, in the Saturday because I think it is something different and enjoyable. But um, yeah, I think that the thing is with the dunk contest, which is supposed to be like the highlight, the level is, has been so good over the years that it gets to a point where you feel like, well, what else can they do? You know, they try and get, it's, it's more gimmicky. You've had people bringing out, you know, cars and uh, trying to dunk over them and junk, dunk over the mascot, dunk over Taco Fall, well, attempt to dunk over Taco Fall, Taco Fall. Um, you know, so, and, and it gets to that point where, you know, what, what more? What we're doing is seeing the same regurgitated dunks happen. And in this occasion, it didn't happen. I felt the cast was quite poor. There was no real sort of headliner um, to take over from that spot. Um, I think the only way maybe that we can improve it, and Bilal, I like that shout. I think a three-on-three would be really good or a one-on-one would be really good. Um, I just think that the only way maybe to keep this happening, and I do enjoy the content, I enjoy the, the skills competition, uh, the three-point contest and, and the dunk contest, but maybe to make it compulsory. And I don't know how you would do that, but you want the best players. So you want the top, if, you, if you're a top five shooter in the in the league in terms of percentage, you're obliged to go. A bit like Spolstra is obliged to go because he's top of the East as his um, the son, son's uh, head coach. You know, make that maybe a bit more in the rules. And I know that that might be tricky because people are always going to worry about their stars getting 
injured, etc., especially when it comes to a dunk contest. But when you look at that lineup that we saw in the dunk, it was, it was, you know, it was underwhelming. And I think the only way that maybe you can make this happen is if you make it obligatory. And I don't know how you would do it. But apart from that, I don't know. It's a tough one because I think that the idea is right. I enjoy it all, but it's only going to happen if you get the best product on court. And that's by bringing the best players along. Ollie, what do you think? Yeah, so um, I actually had two ideas on this, um, one of which, Bilal, is the one-on-one as well. So um, I think, yeah, so a one-on-one tournament, I know Tracy McGrady has um, has has brought this up a little bit recently, and he's actually launched a nationwide um, tournament in the USA with a hell of a lot of prize money for the winner. Um, I think a similar sort of format at All-Star Weekend would be really good to watch. I mean, who wouldn't want to see, you know, for example, LeBron go against KD, first to 11, or even like Yanis against Steph, I know it'd be a really interesting battle of different styles, but just to see who would come out on, on top. Um, and I think you could you could almost maybe have, for example, the top 16 vote getters for All-Star be in a seeded tournament based on their number of votes and then a knockout competition, one-on-one. And I think as well as being really entertaining to watch for the fans, there might be some trepidation from some players and maybe some teams more than anything. Um, but I think there would be, I think the players would love it, to be honest, because I think they would get a chance to prove themselves one-on-one, like mano a mano, no no holds barred at all, just to really prove who is the best. And I think the players would love it to have that pride to say, I won one-on-one against the best players in the league. I think they'd love that. And I think it would make it even better for us fans to watch as well. I think, sorry, go on, carry on. No, it's right. I was, got a second bit but you carry on okay i think that it's when you listen to it and it is a good take but i think that when you listen to it like that you think you know it would really excite you wouldn't it if you could choose one player from each team that had to go in and you did it just as a straight knockout like say you know first to 10 points one-on-one um and that winner goes through to the next round it it would be quick The the most you would perform would be like four times to get to a final and it wouldn't even take that long. You could probably, you know, it's probably an hour's worth of, um, you know, performance there and you could get it done. It wouldn't take a lot out of the players. I think it's a really good idea. I'd be, oh, mate, that would be, that'd be exceptional. Yeah, go on. Sorry to be biting. No, it's all right. Yeah, I think, I think one-on-one would be brilliant. Um, the other idea I had, and I've taken this from um, football and a lot of football clubs do it, is to have like a legends match. So, I mean, who wouldn't want to see like a bunch of retired guys who are now in their 40s and 50s going against each other you know let's get the 2006 Miami Heat with a a 40 year old D Wade a nearly 50 year old Shaq against the 2008 Boston Celtics with KG Paul Pierce Ray Allen all in their mid 40s I mean you'd have to do some serious negotiating to get those guys to actually play together but hypothetically um, I think it'd be really interesting you know just to see just for a bit of fun not really any winners and losers and stuff Um, but you know to see something like that would be really cool a squad of 50 60 year old Chicago Bulls from the 90s with Scotty Pippen, MJ, Dennis Rodman. I think it'd be great. It'd be really entertaining to watch. Just a bit of an exhibition game, kind of like the, the celebrity game almost, yeah. but just purely based on just legends of the game. Maybe recreate some teams and stuff and add a bit of fun maybe to the Saturday night. There you go. We have fixed All-Star Weekend on paper. It sounds fantastic. Um, I think the teams might have a bit to say about the fact that they'd want their players to go hard at each other on a one-on-one, but that's their problem to sort out. We want to see it as us fans. Uh, good question, Glenn. Likes that. Bilal, uh, finish this off. Okay, so my question was, um, if Jimmy Butler, I mean, Jimmy Butler's three-point usage, for some reason, has gone up. 
in the last couple of games. Uh, obviously, during the stretch, the last stretch of the fourth quarter, we haven't been playing well. We haven't been um, performing our good our sets. We haven't been playing good defense. So my question is: Would you rather Jimmy Butler become a decent enough three point shooter throughout the game, or would you rather Jimmy Butler have that impact he had in the bubble in, in clutch times? It's a good question, and um, I think that. Jimmy's sort of persistence at the moment on throwing up threes has been quite surprising, quite alarming. It's not something I've enjoyed seeing, even though he did hit, you know, pretty much a game winner last time out. Um, when it's, it's surprising because when you saw him in Philly, that was it, the ball was in his hands to do that exact job, and he was clutch. We've seen it go, so I don't know why it's dropped off so much uh, since he's joined Miami. But if you're asking me, what would I want to see going forward and improved, sort of going back to those Philly days where he could he could nail those on a regular or what we saw in the bubble, um, I would take the bubble every time because, uh, you know, we saw him win games on his own doing that. Um, I think a three-point shot should always be like a... It's almost like a play's gone wrong if it ends with a three-point shot. So it's a, it's, a, it's a high-risk shot. I think if you can get Jimmy driving at the basket, nine times out of ten, he's going to draw contact. He's going to get the bucket. It's a good chance he'll get an and one. He'll get contact. He'll get to the line or he'll kick it out to somebody with a better shot. I trust Jimmy far more to do that, making the right decision and pretty much with a game on the line doing that sort of move than uh, then settling for an improved version of what he once was as a three-point shot. Um, as I said, I'd never like to see a game end that way unless it's really been forced upon you or, of course, it is needed to win or tie the game. Um, yeah, so uh, I think, as I said, we saw it firsthand in the bubble, what he can do against the best player in the world at the time and came out on top twice in that on those occasions. Um, so, yeah, that would be my shout. Ollie, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. I think um, what you said about ending a game on a three um, is not always the best option, especially in the playoffs. Um, I've spoken about it before. Playoff basketball is a lot slower, a lot of half-court set-orientated basketball. So, yeah, like you said, to, to end a possession on a three in the playoffs is probably not a good look especially later on in games so yeah my my opinion would be to take take Jimmy Butler clutch Jimmy Butler Rachel Nichols version of Jimmy Butler um to get as you know we've got we've got a team full of guys that are brilliant three-point shooters um you know Lowry Tyler Duncan even PJ like those guys can step up in the clutch and hit a three we don't have anyone that can replicate what Jimmy can do and did do in the bubble with getting you a 40-point triple-double, driving to the line relentlessly, repeatedly, just single-handedly effectively dragging a team to a win in the playoffs. So I think I think having a bruiser who can, like I said, just get to the line, get win you points just just by being physical and being have that and having that basketball IQ, I think that is a bit more valuable in the playoffs. So as much as I'd like to see a regression from Jimmy in terms of his three-point shot. I think in terms of value for the Heat, then then definitely that that bubble level of production from him. Yeah, and as I said, we, we've seen it for the Sixers. He was clutch and he is clutch. And to come back to that would be awesome. But unless your name's Steph Curry, really, as you say, I don't think you want to see a, a game ended on a three-point attempt. Uh, Glenn, try and get through your segment without thinking about Rachel Nichols, Jimmy Butler in the bubble. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want to see anything public or private, <laughs> private <laughs> between Jimmy <laughs> Butler and Rachel Nichols. <laughs> that killed me off, man. Jeez. Um, I, I, I agree with the general consensus we've seen. I like uh, Bulldozer Butler. Uh, I like him getting to the line, doing what Goran also did at the time, because you don't have many of those players in the league who are just a guaranteed either, I'm going to give you a really good look at the bucket or I'm going to get fouled. 
and uh, Bronze sort of that kind of player, and he did incredible stuff for the Heat uh, in that 11-12 season and the 10-11 as well. And again, we kind of saw with him, his his three-point shot wasn't really there when you need it. Led to that famous uh, rebound Bosch back out to Allen sequence. So I'd like him to go to the to the basket. I, I think that's where he's going to make his money. That's what he signed his contract for with us. And uh, you've got your guys out on the edge who can who can take the threes for you. I think the main thing is don't settle for the three. Make the play either work for someone who's an open three-point shooter to shoot the three or take it to the basket and draw the foul either way. Yep, okay, we are all uh, sort of in sync here. Bilal, your question, your answer to finish off, are you aligned? Yep, I'm definitely aligned. Um, I, I can't seem to understand what has happened because the bubble run was, re- was outrageous, basically. He he was so clutch in that bubble run. Even um, the previous rounds in the conference finals, I remember he got a couple clutch steals. Um, so he does it on the defensive end as well. But I can't seem to un- understand what's happened this season. So I'm definitely taking that Jimmy Butler again. And if we have that Jimmy Butler again, we we will go far in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's um, <laughs> we we've only really seen one true sort of version of Jimmy in in playoff basketball because he came to play 100% in that bubble run. He sort of gave up on this Heat team, didn't he, last year? I thought he realised very early, despite this stupidly locked in comment, that this team really wasn't going to go too far um so i'm really excited to see him now with his team of dogs uh to see see that reunite again because if we can get clutch jimmy back in the playoffs it's another element to already a very good team um another brilliant episode of round table discussions there we will do this again before the season's out maybe just before playoff time uh always a good uh good laugh always great to uh hear the comments and answers um please subscribe to miami heat uk tv thank you very much for listening if you uh if you've only just come to acknowledge the podcast uh, go back and listen to some of the some of the back catalogue because very recently we've had some incredible guests. We had David Ramil from Locked on Heat. We've had Ethan Skolnick from Five Reasons Sports Network. We had Jeremy Taché from Bally Sports. These are all the last three episodes. So uh, great to uh, to have those guests on. More will be coming. We'll be back on Friday to see uh, to preview uh, the Knicks game on the game day from the UK pregame streaming show. As always, thanks for listening, guys. That was a lot of fun. We'll catch you next week. Take it easy. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.